everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen conflicts in their home. This is Melanie Hempy, and we are so glad you found us. And to everyone else who's been listening, welcome back. Just want to mention a special little thank you to Evan Hempy, who is providing the piano accompaniment for this episode today. You're hearing, and you'll get to hear again at the end, a little bit of what my life is like now um, in our home, listening to our kids play piano. And I just want to say that it does take a number of years of practice, but it is so fun to, um, especially during our holiday season now to be able to just have this wonderful gift of music in our home because you know it didn't used to be that way our christmases look very different so today we're going to talk about some tips for you but before i get started i just want to just give you a little story about how our christmases are so very different than they used to be when my oldest was in his gaming addiction phase of his life So I just was thinking about this as we got ready to start recording today, and I thought about our Christmases way back then, actually wasn't that long ago, when our oldest was still living here. And it was so confusing and so sad because I remember specifically at Christmas that he really struggled engaging with all the fun, festive stuff that we did, you know, from decorating the tree to making the cookies and just doing really fun things. He was always down in the basement on his video game. So what I did was I took a string of Christmas lights and um, I put them on his computer down in the basement. What was I thinking? I don't know what was wrong with me, but you know, as a mom, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to bring some festivities to him since he's not coming upstairs. Never did I think that there was something really drastically wrong with a child being down in the basement playing video games while the whole family was up enjoying Christmas. Okay. That didn't cross my mind for some reason. I don't know, call it a blind spot. I don't know what it was, but I so distinctly remember that. In fact, I even took a picture of it to put it in our scrapbook because I thought, where was Adam during Christmas? Here he was. So I put these lights on his computer. And then I I realized just recently thinking about this, that when kids are playing video games, you know, there's no um, celebrating Christmas in the virtual world. <laughs> they don't stop to celebrate Christmas in that virtual world. So I don't mean to make light of it because it is a very serious topic, but our Christmases look very different now. Back then I would get a Christmas list from Adam. No kidding. Uh, one year, I think he was in seventh or eighth grade. It had a list of video games that he wanted And it also had antidepressants on his Christmas list. If that wasn't a warning sign, I don't know what would be a warning sign. But, you know, I just thought, well, that's really strange. He put that on there. All he had was that in video games. So again, I had some blind spots going on. I had some biases. I thought he was fine. He wasn't fine. As you know, his story, he ended up dropping out of college because of his gaming addiction. And then now he's in the army for five years and he's back in school and he's doing fine and um, he's recovering. But we really struggled, especially through holidays, birthdays, family type celebrations, anytime there was something out of the ordinary. And then, you know, now with my youngest, my younger kids, our Christmases are very different now. Their Christmas lists are very much a reflection of their hobbies, their interests, things they love. And I would say if you're listening and you've got kids that are really struggling with too much gaming and too much social media, that looking at their Christmas list is actually a really good way to diagnose where you are in this problem. So if their Christmas list is full of video games, that is not balanced. Um, I recently just heard on the radio about 11, an 11 year old girl's Christmas list. They were reading it on the radio and it was nothing but designer products, unbelievably expensive stuff. She was way too young to even understand what this stuff was, but it just shows you the influence that kids are getting on TikTok and all of the social media influences out there. 
it's just very, very different when you have a child who has multiple hobbies and interests. It's um, also very different around our house now because the the boys and my daughter too, they help with decorating. They really get into it. And that's what you want to see. You you want to see kids, you know, really getting excited about stuff. Our boys are old enough now where they decorate the whole outside of the house. They usually get the tree. They're just very involved. The other thing is they get really interested in making gifts for the family. So that creativity comes out in different ways that, you know, it didn't come out with our oldest. And so they're just more focused on the family traditions as well. And they will get in the kitchen and they will cook and they will just really participate. So I think that's the biggest thing right here this week and the next few weeks. It's such a blessing for us being screen strong now. And I I don't say this to be bragging about how we have figured this out, but I just say it to be encouraging to you that if you are feeling discouraged, you you can change it. You can totally change how you're structuring your life and your kids' interest. And, and it does take some work. We have our new Kids Brains and Screens course out that you definitely want to look at. That will help you really set the tone in your home and do some things very differently. Today, we have a treat for you. We have Olivia Kernikin joining us. She has been on our Screen Strong team for almost five years. She is behind the scenes doing so much work. If it wasn't for Olivia, so many of you would never hear about Screen Strong or know anything about what we're doing. So we are so thrilled to have Olivia come joining us today to talk about the Screen Strong tips and how to finish strong during the holidays. Welcome, Olivia. Thanks, Melanie. It is very exciting to be on this side of the recording process uh, for once. So I'm excited for today. I think it'll be great. Yeah, I'm just so glad to to bring you on. And you know so much about what ScreenStrong is about. And I'm excited for you to jump in with these tips. But just take a minute and explain a little bit about your screen journey, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a child of the 90s, which means that I remember cassettes and VHSs. My brother and I didn't really grow up with screens until later in our life. So my mom would always tell us, okay, you can watch one movie today. And by that, she meant one VHS and we'd have to put it in the rewinder and wait an agonizing, you know. 30 seconds for it to rewind and it was just forever and once we finished the movie she would say okay now you're going outside I didn't grow up with a smartphone I think I got my first flip phone when I was 13 and it was because I was taking some classes at the community college and they needed to know where I was but I didn't get a smartphone until probably college probably either senior year end of senior year of high school beginning a freshman year of college. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really grow up with that at all. My brother played video games starting probably at like 12. And we used to play together sometimes. But again, it was like Nintendo 64 and the first PlayStation, where now looking back on it with the graphics and everything we have now, it was so clunky and just didn't have as many of the properties as video games do now. I did get a laptop when I was 14 uh, because my parents were like, well, you're 14 and starting high school and that's the time to get a laptop because they just didn't, I mean, no one knew what was going on at that point with screens and the potential that they had to be so destructive. So I definitely got into some trouble with my laptop. I don't really regret those choices though because... I feel like I'm in a unique position to have both experiences where I know what it's like before screens, but then also saw just the potential danger of screens, even in the early 2000s when it wasn't nearly as prevalent as it is now. Because I didn't grow up with screens, and a lot of my friends did, even in college, I remember distinctly having these moments where I would go out with my friends to have 
lunch or something like that or out on a gathering. It didn't matter. And I would just be sitting there watching everyone on their phones and we would just all be sitting there. And I just didn't have the dramatic pull to need to be connected all the time. And I remember sitting there and I I would just, you know, no judgment. I was just waiting for them to be done. And then (laughs) just slowly one by one, they would all start raising their heads and then be ashamed. And I was like, guys, I'm just uh, clearly it's important. I'm just waiting for you to finish whatever you're doing so we can eat. So Mm -hmm. anyway, I, um, I love working for Screen Strong because in all the different jobs that I've had since graduating in 2015, I've seen everything from, you know, two-year-old children having extreme tantrums that I was nannying because I was like, no, you can't play video games at two in the afternoon to, you know, kids who aren't growing up with the screens and how successful they are. And I, it's so important to me to explain to parents that kids really are craving family time. They're craving connection, but they just don't understand that they can't get it on a screen. Mm-hmm. They just don't know because culture tells them, oh, you need this in order to feel connected, in order to have friends. And in my experience, that's just not the case. Not the case mm-hmm. at all. So you feel like you had plenty of friends? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had tons of friends. You know, I did theater in high school. I did theater in college. And we just we didn't have time to be sitting on screens. There was work to be done. There was mm-hmm. studying to be done. And again, because I didn't grow up with them, I think I had a unique perspective. So I would notice that a lot of the kids who were struggling or kids who had time management issues or who couldn't work as a team or, you know, insert whatever thing. Yeah there that they were in their dorm playing video games or they were constantly on their screens and thankfully I was in college at a time when again it's just not as bad as it is now I Mm -hmm. I tell my parents all the time that I feel like I just missed the tsunami of screen time that came for all of us no exactly and you are just such a testimony to how you were able to just focus on getting that executive function area developed yeah. in your brain. And, and just for those who don't know Olivia, Olivia is very, of course, very smart. But the thing that I love about Olivia and just the, the, fo- the, the kids that grew up, like you said, that just missed it is that you just seem to have like this emotional intelligence, the EQ that's missing. And so many young kids today meaning young kids, like in their even early twenties today, they're very awkward and can't really talk, you know, to adults and stuff. And, and I think that you're just a testimony to that. You spent a lot of time in your young years in the real world, dealing with real people. And that just makes a huge difference on this end, even as you go out in the business world. And even as you help us, it makes a tremendous difference. It's hard to put your finger on, but yeah. I'll tell you, it's there. <laughs> Thank you for that. And I and I will say, because it's been so interesting being part of Screen Strong and and developing a language to explain these feelings and ideas that I've had, you know, mm-hmm. but didn't understand mm-hmm. that it was executive function skills or EQ or mm-hmm. high skills or, you know, the, the brain's development, the frontal cortex. Like it's amazing to have that language now because right. I've realized that, you know, I'm not extra special in any way. I think it's just without the screens, I had to rely on my observations of the world. So mm-hmm. when you're not in a screen and you're observing the people around you, you learn stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you learn how people interact with other people and you're watching people and saying, oh, wow, that's interesting how that person is responding in this way. I wonder why. And then it activates your imagination to step into the shoes of another person. And I really do think 
that screens completely eliminate that, even for adults. That's the sad thing is in college, I remember I would get so frustrated with everyone's lack of what you're talking about, that that connection, that observation, that understanding of other humans. And I always was like, well, the real world, the adult world is going to be different. Mm. When I graduate, everything's going to change because adults are different. And then I entered into the workforce and I'm like, somehow adults are worse. I don't know why. (laughs) It's all the same. But it's all the same. And I'm not going to lie. It was a little disheartening because it was very lonely to understand that a lot of people don't know how to connect. Right. And it's the communication skills that we're talking about that with Screen Strong, the Screen Strong lifestyle that we promote and all the thousands of families that are saying enough is enough. We're getting our kids back. That's probably the biggest benefit, of course, outside of all the wonderful talents that you you have and that kids who are not spending 10,000 hours on their screen between the ages of sixth grade and 12th grade, they're investing those hours in other things. But the biggest thing I see over and over and over again is the ability to communicate and have relationships with people that are your age, of course, but also adults and it's just light years different. It's very, very different. You can't, that's something that has to be developed over time and with experience and it can't be taught. It has to be experienced. So we do think you are very special. um, (laughs) Thank you so much for jumping on today. I'm so glad we got to visit with you about that. And we're going to dive into our 10 tips to finish strong this week. Okay. We're going to take one week at a time until school starts, right? So um, yeah, we we tend to get really overwhelmed. You know, parents get really overwhelmed with, oh my gosh, I can't do this forever. And so I want to, first of all, just say, this isn't really a tip, but I just want to say that you can do it if you take bite-sized pieces of this and just take one day at a time and not try to get too overwhelmed with the next month and the next year. But right now we're going to focus on this time between now and then when the kids go back to school, because we know that this is a very stressful time for all parents and especially for screen strong parents, because we are out of our routine. Our structure is sort of melting away. Um, The schedules are fluid and the kids aren't getting up and going to school and we don't have all this mapped out. So now we're going to get thrown a curveball. And it's like you're in mile 19 of the marathon. You're going to lose uh, your frontal cortex. <laughs> you kind of hit the wall at mile 19 when you're running a marathon. Not that I've ever run a marathon, but I do know a little bit about what happens um, to that. And so that's why you have to make a decision right now before the race, before your kids get home from school and before this whole Christmas holiday starts, you have to make a decision about how you want this to look. And so I've, I've come up with 10 things that I think are really going to, going to be helpful for you to make it through. And I don't want you, like I said, I don't want you to get discouraged. These are based on multiple experiences from multiple families that I've collected. Number one, resist the urge to get that smartphone for your child. And so what I want to say is, If you already did and you might be listening and you're cringing and you're like, oh, don't say that because I already did and I wasn't going to, but I did because it's the only thing on their list. There is still time to take it back and there is time to think of something else. You will not like your kids if you get them a smartphone this Christmas. (laughs) Are you listening? That's kind of a bold statement. Get a puppy instead, okay? (laughs) Seriously. Mm -hmm. And my tip here is do not get gifts that will have to be limited and taken away and restricted. So you should only get gifts that you will never have to take away. You know, the gifts that are good for your kids are the ones that don't come with limits and restrictions. Think about it. Do you ever have to put a restriction on their bike, you know, or the board game? No. So number one, and I'm going to repeat it again, please take the smartphone back if you got them a smartphone or if you're planning on upgrading your phone, get them a Gab phone, use our code strong if you want to get a discount on that. But do not give in to this, this holiday. We get weak. I know exactly how you're feeling. It's the only thing they want. They're going to have a terrible Christmas without it. That is not true. You're going to replace it with maybe an experience. You can listen to the boys podcast from last week, I think it was, where they talked about all these different gifts. 
Think of something different in the short term. It, it is, it's, you've got to do something quick. You can't just give in and give them phones right now because it's Christmas and you are having a weak moment. And yes, you can take them back. Um, if the grandmother is getting them a phone, intercept that right away. Phones should never be gifts to begin with. They're tools. They're tools. They're not toys. And it gives your child a really weird sense of ownership when you gift a phone because then it's theirs. And how can you take back your gift? So anyway, I could go on and on about that. Number two, put the video games on a very long vacation. I think a lot of parents think and a lot of kids think, oh, they're having downtime. They've been waiting. Now they can play all Christmas break. I'm telling you, it will backfire. This is a really bad idea. In part two of our course, I talk a lot about habits. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to start a bad screen habit over the winter break. And what I recommend is that you box up the consoles, like go grab one of those Amazon boxes that keep coming to your door and put the Switch and the Xbox and the PlayStation and all this kind of stuff, whatever is out there that you've got, even the Wii, honestly, just put it all in a box, put the tape on it, take it up to your attic, or better yet, remove it completely from your home. That time they spend on those video games will steal the joy of Christmas in your house, I promise. Olivia, do you remember your brother playing video games over Christmas at all? Yeah, my brother's favorite holiday is Christmas, but I do remember if we were on break, it would be, oh, well, now I can play my video games. But then Christmas Day, he would be present. But then everything around that was all centered. You know, they orchestrate their whole world around and then they stay up all through the night. And And he always got video games for Christmas. Yeah, that's a kick. That's really hard. So that brings me to rule number three. Um, Rule number three is if you had your week moment and you were at the store and you bought the, the video game, the switch, the whatever it is, and you wrapped it and it's under the tree, unwrap it, go get the receipt and go take it back right now. Yeah. Get your money back. It's so expensive. Get your money back. Go do an escape room or something. (laughs) Right. Oh yeah. The escape room things are really, really fun. We should put that on our list. I know. No, seriously, I'm giving you permission right now to just go take it back. It's going to cause a lot of problems. Even over Christmas, they are going to dive in and you're going to lose your kids and you're going to wonder what the heck happened. You're not going to like your kids over Christmas if all they're doing is spending all their time on a screen. And what, what you should do instead or what not that you should do, but one option is to go get one of those big Lego sets. Even if they're eight, 17, 18 years old, it doesn't matter. You know, I think my husband still likes to do these things. No, I'm 29 and my brother's 26. And literally last week we were like, hey, we need to get the Legos down, but we're getting older. We can't sit on the ground anymore. We really need a Lego table. And we're like, okay, whoever gets their own house first gets the Lego. <laughs> I mean, we were having this whole discussion. Yeah. Legos define my childhood. So, Yes. There well, is. and you know, we've gotten into the architectural series of Legos yes. and gotten the White House and that, that's really cool stuff for them. So I think for boys, every boy still needs a Lego gift. Don't mind uh, so much spending the money on it. And, and let me just, let me just explain. I always say after everything that I went through with our oldest, that when we were talking about getting certain creative things for our younger kids, that if it didn't cost more than a counseling visit, I wasn't even going to think twice. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how I want you, you know, a Lego set is cheaper than an hour's worth of counseling in most major cities. And cheaper than a smartphone or a console. Oh my goodness. You could get like 10 Lego sets for the amount. There <laughs> you go. Go ahead and get that trampoline, you know, get some big things this year and and just look at it as an investment in your kid. So I'm just trying to give you some uh, encouragement here. Number four, call your extended family ahead of time before they pack up and come to your house and let them know that you are taking a break from screens this holiday season. So this doesn't mean you're not going to be watching your favorite Christmas movies, but it does mean that the kids are not going to be spending time to call it an experiment. Tell them you're just, you know, your kids are allergic to all this stuff over the holidays and that you just want to let them know. Also ask them to help you say, Hey, I just really want you to help me. I know 
cousin so-and-so doesn't struggle with this, even though they really might. Right. Um, you can say, I know that your family doesn't have problems with this, but we're just starting to see some problems. And I would love it if you could help me think of some things the kids could do over Christmas that doesn't involve a screen. What do you think? And, you know, maybe maybe you put up a zip line, line out in the backyard or or do just something different and fun. Maybe you plan to get out of the house every day to go for a walk or actually look around your city and find something fun to do. But if you elicit the help of your extended family ahead of time, that will be so much better than them coming to the house. And within three minutes of them walking in the door, you've got all the 12 year olds in one room hovering around, bowing down, you know, to their video games. And you got all the girls upstairs in somebody's bedroom on TikTok, which is just a whole nother big problem. So call ahead and just say, just a heads up. This is what we're trying to do. Can you help me out? And if you ask for help, then they can't really feel like you're criticizing them because I know it's a very, very, very difficult issue to talk about this with family, especially if cousins, you know, you know, are doing things, you know, you just can't tell, Mm -hmm. you know mom and dad, you know, what you really think, because they get really defensive. (laughs) So just blame it on you. Then you blame it on me. You can say, I have a friend and I can be your friend. And you can say, whose son really struggled with this. And we just don't want to head down that path. Encouragement, encouragement there to do that. Number five, watch plenty of holiday movies as a family, get the blankets, the popcorn, the, the cookies out, do whatever to make this just a fun tradition. Everybody pile in the den. Nobody's downstairs on their video game. You want to do this as a family. And these holiday movies, the classic ones are priceless and they offer. So, I mean, what's your favorite holiday movie, Olivia? Oh, without a doubt. It's a wonderful life. Oh yeah. I watch it even when it's not Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) It makes me cry every time. It's the perfect blend of learning how to be a good person and family and not, not realizing how much your life is touching other people until you kind of get a wake up call. But I also love uh, the classic like Rankin and Bass ones from like the 60s, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and A Year Without Santa Claus. And I grew up with those because my parents liked them and my dad doesn't live where I am. But the other day we we have these long distance movie or TV show watching days and we get on the phone and we queue it up together and we did a double... We did a double feature of A Charlie Brown Christmas and The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Oh, my goodness. And it was wonderful. Like, it just brings back so, so many memories. It really sets the tone. And you just nailed one of our favorites is The Grinch. And oh, yeah. We have Grinch stuff all over our house. Yeah. And um, what a great message. Yeah, both of those are. So tip number five, yeah, watch plenty of holiday movies. Take time just just kind of slow down and, you know, have it on in the background sometime, but actually make it a big deal. Like if you're, if you've got little kids or even big kids and you're watching the Grinch one night, make it dinner and a movie and make some green mm-hmm. food, you know, try yeah. to make it kind of funny. And, um, as Grinch mo- Christmas cookies. Yes, yeah. exactly. And we actually have a tradition around the Christmas vacation movie. Every year we have a Christmas vacation movie party at our house. And that, if you read some of the blogs recently, you'll read about that. And, you know, we never thought it was going to be a tradition, but we just kind of started it. And every year I kind of find more stuff to add to it. And the boys really have fun with that. And now, you know, sometime even during the fall, we have people saying, okay, when is your party this year? You know, so um, it is really fun. And again, this is for a family night. So you got to get mom and dad there. You know, even when you have um, extended family coming, you might say on Wednesday night, we're going to watch Christmas vacation or we're going to watch the Grinch and just kind of have some things planned. So people are not just all over your house playing video games. And I will say I have seen pictures from that vacation Christmas party and they are epic. (laughs) The level of detail (laughs) is astounding. I didn't grow up with that movie, so I don't have the connection that you all do, but yeah. Wow. Oh, it's All so out. Fun. My favorite is the flattened cat. Oh yeah, we have the cat <laughs> thing on the um on on the ground near the oh, uh, Christmas tree. It's <laughs> that incredible. Looks like it's amazing. We'll post some of those in our Facebook group um after the party this year. The Facebook group 
group is Green Strong Family. So jump in there and I'll post some of those in there just for Olivia so she can um, share that. How to have my annual dose. Your dose of the Christmas vacation movie. Okay. (laughs) And the other thing with this tip too, when you're watching your holiday movies, you know, throw out some, some games like Twister. I think some of the vintage games to just put those out in the den you know, even if it's not like a formal, oh, we're going to play a game right now, just keep that out. In fact, I saw a Twister blanket recently that was like a blanket that you could put on the floor and it was the Twister dots. And so some of these vintage games are really fun to do. Tip number six, I know this is going to sound weird that this is a tip all by itself, but I am just giving you my advice from four children, many years of raising kids. Make your Christmas cookies ahead of time. In fact, when we are wrapping up this podcast today, I won't tell you to go do it now, but start letting the butter get soft and get that flour out to make your sugar cookie dough and go ahead and make the cookies and even put them in the freezer. So then when you're ready for that moment, when everyone enters the kitchen or everybody's bored or mom, why can't I play my video game? And where's my phone and all that stuff. You have an instant thing for them to do. You pull out the cookies and let them decorate them. So um, the Christmas cookie thing is really all about decorating. And I would get so frustrated as I was going through learning all this stuff the hard way with parenting. These little kids would come in my kitchen and they're ready. Well, guess what? It takes 30, 40 minutes to make the cookies and I would lose their attention. So even today, make a batch of cut out Christmas cookies, put them in the freezer and have them ready to go. And that just reminds me to tell you number seven, which is to make plans for some very simple dinners so you can have more time with your kids. I'm giving you permission to not have to do the five course meals for every meal with all your company coming. Things like lasagna ahead of time, put it in the freezer, even just hamburgers that you just make up the patties and, you know, making pizza. This does not take long. We do a lot of homemade pizza here. You make up the dough ahead of time. You can keep it in the freezer or the the refrigerator. You pull it out and everybody can make their personal pan pizzas. We also do barbecue. That just is so simple to do. So think in terms of simple dinners so you can have more time with the kids so they're not feeling so left out because this is a very stressful time. You're home with all the kids, not only that, but you're in charge of doing pretty much everything. And your job just doubled because now you've got Christmas on top of it. So make a little menu, figure out like my older kids are going to be here um, next week. I'm assigning some days to them, but even my juniors in high school actually will be in charge of certain meals. So you have permission not to make fancy meals for every dinner and, you know, they're hungry all the time. So one of the things that we have done is I put snacks out all the time. I get my little cutting board out, my cute little bowls, and I fill it with all sorts of pickles and cheese and pastrami and all different little things. So I kind of have that going through the day because you will find that during this time of the year, their blood sugar is going to drop. They're not eating lunch at the right time and everybody's tempers and all their anxiety gets worse when their blood sugar drops. So keep out some snacks, you know, apples are great. We have a really cool apple cutter. So um, that makes it easier. So all these little tips, and we'll have a lot of these tips in our solutions course too in January when we, when we get that ready for you. My number eight tip is to get outside more and take more like outings outside of the house. Is there anything that y'all do? I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah. That's great because as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, I know exactly. So every year we have this really fancy neighborhood not too far from where we all live. It's called Highland Park in Dallas, Texas, if anyone is from Dallas. Between Highland Park and Preston Hollow, they go all out with the Christmas lights, like Mm -hmm. insane, probably thousands of dollars worth of Christmas lights. And we will all get in the car, turn the heater on, put some Christmas music on, and we'll just slowly drive the neighborhood and just look at all the lights. We still do this. Again, I am 29 years old. We still do this because it's so fun. Yeah. And each year, you know, you start to learn the different houses and kind of see what they're doing this year versus last year. That's great because even for people who don't live in Texas where it's 80 degrees right now. Uh, If you live somewhere cold, if you're in the car with the heater on 
you can stay warm and still still enjoy them. You know, we have something like that nearby called McCaddenville, and it's a whole little town. And we jump in the car and do this as well. And when the kids were little, I would make little bags of candy for them, you know, for the car. And that was just our special yeah. little thing that we did. And so you just kind of make it special. It doesn't take much, and it is so fun to do that. But what you have to do is the mom and dad that are in charge of your family. You just have to put it in your schedule. Otherwise, it's yeah. not going to happen. And and even things like um, just getting outside to play tennis or ride a bike or, you know, right now we're having kind of a mild winter, so the weather is acting really nice. But just plan every day to get outside to do something. Otherwise, your kids are going to be bowing down to their screens all winter, I mean, all Christmas break, and you're going to be really sad at the end. Number nine is to Fill your downtime. And what I mean by this is kids can't do this. Okay. We already know. Um, no. we, we know they can't. So they're going to want to take the, the quickest, easiest thing, you know, right at their fingertips. So you're going to be hiding the remotes. You're going to already listen to these other tips ahead of here. You've already gotten rid of the games, at least for the vacation of Christmas holiday. You're going to think ahead just for a few minutes and have Christmas break be the time where your kids come home, you know, from school, they're home now, they can rearrange their bedrooms. Okay. Um, first of all, they need to clean it out to get rid of, of old toys they're not using and clothes that don't fit. That's also building an executive function skill of organization, which is, you know, you know that, but you don't have to tell them, Hey son, go build your executive function skill. You don't have to say that, but <laughs> this is really fun to take this break to purge their stuff from their room that they're not using, make room for this wonderful Christmas they're going to have and actually rearrange their bedroom if you can. A big tip for parents who are taking video games and smartphones away from their kids is to switch bedrooms with a sibling because we know that our environment is really critical to our habits. Christmas vacation is a wonderful time to actually have the time for your kids to do this. Now, it, a Christmas gift could be that you let one of your teenagers redecorate their room, give them some money, give them a, some paint or a new bedspread or, or something to kind of redecorate their room and let this be the season that they start their detox and start taking away their downtime screen, immersive screen entertainment. Another quick thing to do if you just want an idea is to have each child decorate their bedroom door. This can take a whole afternoon. <laughs> so here we go. We've, we're going to be cleaning out their rooms, although you're not really telling them it's cleaning. You're telling them they're reorganizing and rearranging. <laughs> and then they can decorate their bedroom doors. It's really good to have crafts around for your little kids. And then um, for the big kids, maybe teach them how to knit. Have something that they can have in the den. They can just pull and just start working on. You can make those gingerbread houses out of graham crackers. Those are awesome. Easy, quick, fun thing to do. Always keep a puzzle in the den. Olivia, you know, been to our house. There are There is a puzzle in our den at all I'm times. I'm usually the one sitting there doing the puzzle. <laughs> yeah, and we have a Christmas one out every year. I don't want this tip list to make anyone more stressed because I know when I get tips, sometime when I look at different blogs and I look at parenting tips, it's just like, are you kidding me? Like so overwhelming. Like I can't do all that stuff. I'm just mm -hmm. trying to tread water. I'm just trying mm -hmm. to keep my head above water. But some of these things like rearranging their rooms and cleaning out all their old clothes and um, redecorating their rooms or decorating their door, you know, these are kind of easy things that don't really, I mean, just get some wrapping paper and they can like wrap their door and yeah. decorate it. And it's really fun. And so our final tip is kind of part of this segue, it works really well because while they're cleaning out their bedrooms, they need to clean out their bookcases. Hopefully they have bookcases in their room. And we all know you're sitting here listening. And if you think about the bookcases in your kid's room, they are probably not up to date. They probably have old books that they've kind of outgrown, but we love them and we want to keep them and that's fine. But you need to take the books that they're not using and, and put them away. You don't have to give them away, but give them to a family. Maybe they can use them or keep the ones that they, that are really meaningful. But this is a time to refresh their books. We always give at least one book over Christmas. So tip number 10 
is to re-engage with reading. And Olivia is going to talk about this a little bit because reading is a huge hobby of hers. And so we, we are potentially going to do a whole nother podcast on this in the new year. But for now, I want you to jump in here and talk about how important this is. And I will just say that I think every kid needs at least one book over the Christmas holidays to be able to curl up and read while you're cooking or, you know, Mm -hmm. you're wrapping presents or something. So jump in here and talk about reading. Sure thing. Yeah, we definitely need to do a whole podcast about reading and I could probably talk about it for an hour and a half. So we might have to put some limits on me if we do that. Okay. Yes. I love reading. For me, it's my favorite thing that I do. I've always been a reader And my brother and I have talked about this sometime because since he grew up with video games and I just didn't have the same, I did play some video games, but I just didn't have the same hook as he did. Our reading paths are very different. He doesn't have the attention span to read. He did used to listen to audio books, you know, every night before going to sleep, but he's just not a huge reader. And I am. And so I can't understand why he isn't and he can't understand why I am. Mm -hmm. But one thing that happened when we were younger is our parents read to us every single night growing up, every single night. And as an adult now reflecting on it, there's something about this oral tradition of storytelling that I think is so important for kids especially kids who might not gravitate naturally gravitate towards reading something about sitting there and listening to the story can still have an impact on them and audiobooks are fine i i have listened to audiobooks that's great but there's something about the family gathering together and reading a story together or being read to by your parent that is just so much more powerful than listening to it on a phone or a tablet or mm-hmm. however you're listening to your audiobook. Mm-hmm. So I would really encourage reading together as a family, reading to your children, even if they're older. Mm-hmm. Um, they might have a moment where they're like, oh, mom, what are you doing? I don't want to do this. But I think if you keep at it, they'll secretly like it because yeah. Yeah. I don't. I've never met someone who was like, oh, my parents read to me and it was terrible. Like, no, no, that just doesn't happen. And so you really want to work towards developing those those lasting traditions, because when they have that bug for reading, you know, when they get excited about it, and even if it's not just reading, but just excited about storytelling, it's really great. The other thing that works really well is setting a reading challenge it could be for the holidays. It could be extended. My mom used to do this with us when we were younger all the time. That was also back when a lot of our local libraries would have those like, I don't know, like mayor's summer reading challenges or things like that, you know, to encourage kids reading. And there would be like a set amount of books. So let's say she said, okay, you've got to read 20 books this month or something like that. And then I would, and but I was in charge of keeping track of it. She wasn't in charge of keeping track of it. I could go to her and say, I, you know, I finished this book. She's like, okay, well, you know, mark it down. So it was my responsibility to keep track. And then at the end, I would get like a little gift. And I still remember, I mean, it was coveted, the butterfly beanie baby <laughs> that I was working towards for a month. But then it gives the sense of accomplishment. Not only did I read all these books, but I, I, was doing something to work towards an end goal. Yeah. So there's a lot built in there. So even if it's just for Christmas and just, you know, the holidays, just for a short period of time, you can still implement that or even just take the time to talk to your kids about doing that in January with maybe the new books you're going to get them for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And then this one that I love is starting a tradition of reading a book aloud during Christmas as a family. And this is a little different from the first part, which is just continuing to read aloud constantly as like a habit. This is specifically for Christmas. And this is so important because everyone in the family who is able to read, obviously, if you have a younger kid, they can sit and listen and practice their active listening. But anyone who's able to read, picking a book for everyone to take turns, reading a chapter, 
throughout the week leading up to Christmas is so important because not only are you bonding as a family, then you're opening up a dialogue about the book that you're reading. And most important, it helps your children practice public speaking, Mm -hmm. which is I can't express how important that is. That's why I'm a big advocate for getting kids in theater because it kind of breaks down those barriers to, to speak in front of people. But this is really the first step. We did this. My whole family, we read, I think it was like the first Harry Potter book together, a chapter or two every night. You know, that was back when the movie was coming out. But for Christmas, it's a great time to do it because everyone's at home. uh, We hope, but you know, all the kids are at home and it's a great, a great tradition to start. And so if you're looking to start it, I, of course, am going to recommend A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens because it's short, it's a classic, and Charles Dickens wrote it initially in installments. They came out a little bit at a time. So they ha- each little section has natural end points. Oh, cool. And again, it's really short and it's great and it has a great message. It's part of our cultural consciousness. So kids might be familiar with it, with Scrooge and, and you know, the ghost of Christmas past and all that. So it, it might be a good uh, introduction into that. No, that's great. Yeah. And that, that is, I know you, you love to read. We know that reading for pleasure is one of the most important indicators for not only academic success, but life success. Yeah. Reading for pleasure at the age of 15 actually is what the research. So I think you are a walking example of that. Poster child for reading. Over yeah, there. we are definitely going to dive into more of the details on all that because it's it's super critical. And it is one of the things, the first thing to go uh, when you give a screen to your kid because it's like it replaces that. So thank you yeah. so much for Absolutely. sharing that. So we're going to wrap up. I know everybody's busy. You've got to go run out and, and return those uh, smartphones today. <laughs> so you've got some errands to do. Back. You've got to go get a trampoline or something. <laughs> um, but I'm going to do just a quick review in case you just need to jot these down. Number one, resist the urge to get a smartphone and take it back if you already have uh, made that decision, undo that decision. Number two, put your video games on a long vacation, actually wrap them up and remove them from your house. Number three, take back the video games. If you actually didn't realize you weren't supposed to get those and, um, and got them and, and maybe grandma, grandpa, you know, and also the, the tablets too, I'll throw that in there. Yeah. I think, I, I think Livy and I both can attest to the fact that these iPads and you know, just any of the tablets are worse in many ways, even than phones and stuff, because parents yeah. think, oh, they're fine. They're just they're deceptively destructive, I believe. Is yes. What I called them before. Yeah. Yes. So how about no screen gifts, yeah. you know, whatsoever? Number four, call your extended family ahead of time in a really nice way. Blame me. You can blame me for everything and just say, you know, we're going to try something different. Can you please help me? Number five, watch plenty of holiday movies, get your blankets out and your popcorn and, you know, throw some twister in there too. And mm-hmm. some board games. Number six, make your sugar cookies ahead of time. So you are the most prepared mom in the world and um, your kids can have something quick to do when you're in the kitchen or they're bored. Number seven, plan those simple dinners. Number eight, get outside more In fact, you can Google right now and find out where the lights are in your area that you can even go see. Nine is to fill your downtime with having your kids do things like rearrange their bedroom or paint their bedroom or decorate their bedroom doors, do some little crafts. Again, I'm throwing knitting in there because that's such a great downtime, Mm -hmm. you know, and you can like your brain is not, you know, so stimulated and it's it's so wonderful. And then of course, reading. So we will be talking more about reading in the new year, but even just for this tip for this week, grab a book to read as a family. And like I said, I know it sounds like, oh, only the the old aunt gives the book for Christmas, but every child should get an interesting book that that they can start reading over Christmas break. So Thank you so much for all your help today, Olivia. And do you yeah. have any, just, I'll just put all my guests on the spot. Usually, <laughs> um, do you have a word of encouragement for families just, just from your neck of the woods, from your angle right now where you sit being a young 
young adult and not having a smartphone until you went to college. What is your encouragement? My encouragement is that everyone feels pressured to have the perfect Christmas and get the perfect gifts and make everything just perfect. But that's not really what Christmas is about, as cheesy as that sounds. It's really just spending time together as a family, celebrating the year that you've been through, and developing those traditions and continuing traditions you've had in the past. I'm going to tell you right now, it might be controversial, but screens make it impossible to have a quote unquote perfect Christmas mm -hmm. because it they completely detract from the family time. So I would just say it sounds impossible. It sounds improbable not to include screens in your Christmas, but you really can. And it's actually really easy because kids are so excited about Christmas. There's so many other things going on you know, take to heart some of these tips and just work on being fully present with your family because your kids will respond to you. Good. That's great. And the, and it's all super true. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, you know, you don't want to give the gifts that make you not like your kids. And that's usually what happens over a short period of time. So if we just eliminate the screen distractions this Christmas, that will be a big step. Thank you so much for all the work that you do with Screen Strong. We could not run the ship without you. And um, we just appreciate everything so much that, that you've done. And then, of course, we've got the part two of our course coming out in January. So everybody watch out for that. It's just going to be a great tool be for, awesome. for parents. So thank you so much, Olivia. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So we hope you all enjoyed listening today. Our format was a little bit different with our, our tips and, of course, our Christmas music. We've had an amazing time presenting these podcasts to you this year. Really one of the highlights of my week is doing this. So please keep listening and sharing the podcast. And from everyone at ScreenStrong, we wish you the happiest of holidays with your family. And remember... We've always got your back and we are here to help you. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd, stay strong and happy holidays. Happy holidays.